Alright folks, welcome to Pickaxe and Roll. I'm your host, Ryan Blackburn at NBA Blackburn on Twitter. It is Sunday night, uh, following Christmas. I hope I hope everybody had a great Christmas. If you celebrate, if you don't, uh, glad you had the off day. Uh, it is fantastic to be able to come out of this break and get a Nuggets win. Uh, it, w- it wasn't looking great for a lot of this game. There's a lot of it that it's just hard to really... Uh, figure out with this Nuggets team at this point, but they ultimately figure it out. Uh, Final score, 103-100 to the injury-riddled Clippers. Uh, So I think probably the best way to handle this is to uh, contextualize it the way that it needs to, is that Denver needed this victory really badly, and they got an injured team at the right time. Uh, Denver's going through their struggles. They're going through their ups and downs. Nikola Jokic was a minus seven in this game in 38 minutes, and the Nuggets won the game by three points. Uh, That just shows how topsy-turvy things are right now. But uh, they got the win. They're back to 500. They're actually the sixth seed in the Western Conference. And like I've said, like I've said throughout most of this process, uh, once once Denver gets out of uh, Golden State, they come back and they finish up the year in Denver against Golden State, uh, who, by the way, uh, Draymond Green went to the health and safety protocols yesterday. So it seems like Denver could be facing some decent luck there, but uh, from a, just an absence standpoint, but it's it's been all about survival. This, this stretch has been all about figuring out how to live with the the absences, how to live with the subpar play at various points, find players that are able and willing to contribute to success and ride them into the ground until reinforcements arrive. And those reinforcements probably aren't going to be perfect. Uh, Jamal Murray will be back at some point, and we're, we're excited to have him, don't get me wrong. But until then, Denver just needs to keep their head above water, and this is a game that I think really describes that well. Uh, First half, we're going to start with that for the first segment. Second half, second segment. And then in the third segment, we're going to dedicate that to Davon Reed, who got the defensive player of the game chain in the Nuggets locker room, and I think absolutely deserved it based on his efforts for today. But first, the first half. Uh, Denver, the starters began this game meh, kind of in the way that you would expect a team that's been really struggling with their starting units. Uh, They found some shots. They made some shots. Barton and Monte, though, they started out slow. Austin Rivers hit a couple shots early that were very, very important. Um, But other than that, the Clippers, they were getting whatever they wanted. They scored a bunch of early points against Denver's starting unit. And that was a really, really big question mark for this Nuggets team. Uh, because the defense has just fallen off a cliff. Uh, the pace of this game did speed up to the fact that the Clippers they didn't have a good offensive game. That was really aided by the fourth quarter, and we'll talk about that later. Uh, but the first half was a pretty slow half, and the Clippers, they scored 55 points, and it felt like they were doing a lot of uh, a lot of good things for with their starting unit, specifically. But... Um, I'm jumping ahead. They were doing a lot of their bat. They're getting a lot of their baskets. The Clippers were by their running pick and roll, not necessarily getting anything on the initial action, kicking the ball out, and then finding a cutter or finding a, a driving lane 
Denver not necessarily playing defense for all 24 minutes and the Clippers taking advantage by just collapsing the paint repeatedly. Eric Bledsoe did that well. Ivisa Zubac did that well. Terrence Mann did that well. And those guys, I thought, really benefited from uh, Denver's guards and their perimeter play not necessarily being great. Um, thought Austin Rivers was good, but I thought Monte Morris, Will Barton, pretty bad. Not not really helpful from a defensive perspective in this game. But the bench comes in, and they come into a deficit. They're facing a pretty big one. And several guys hit threes. Bones Highland hit a three. Davon Reed hit multiple. Faku hit one. Jamichael Green even hit one. Um, these guys were in a really tough position where they, they had to pick up the starters once again. And kind of like the OKC game, kind of like the Charlotte game, they did that. Especially in the first half where this, the bench unit just looks like two different beasts between the first half and the second half. Uh, they, they look like, honestly, two different groups. And so it was very interesting to see. Uh, there were some not great signs. I thought that the defense wasn't great. I thought that Denver was getting away with giving up too many open shots. The Clippers simply didn't make their shots, though, during that time, and Denver made theirs. It was that simple. Uh, one of my friends, Lucas Hahn, who has been on this program before, uh, he covers the Clippers and, and does some great things for uh, 213 Hoops, which is the, the uh, website that they created uh, for Clippers fans and doing a great job over there, him and Robert Flom. Uh, he noted that Denver has never won a game this season where Jokic was anything less than a plus four. And Denver was minus seven in this game and still won the game by three. And I think the bench has to be credited for that in this first half. They were very good and did enough where uh, they, they rebounded enough misses, forced enough uh, bad possessions from the Clippers, but they were able to make it work. And it, it wasn't perfect in the second half, and we'll get to that later. But Denver was able to not just kind of bounce back from a deficit in the first quarter, but they were able to take the lead and ultimately extend it to about double digits with that bench unit all by themselves. That was even before Jokic came into the game. And then Denver held serve with the Clippers for the rest of that half where Jokic was pretty solid, efficient, and effective. Barton was pretty good at the end of the first half as well. Um, but that was the big thing with this Denver team was that they, they've had those stretches in them before. And, and unlike in the Charlotte game where they kind of uh, gave up the lead this time around, uh, well, not, not gave up. Like they, they had a good stretch from the bench in that Charlotte game, just like they had one in this Clippers game. It's just this time they took advantage of it in this win. And Denver's needed this. They absolutely did. And so they go into the half uh, up 64 to 55, really, really strong offensive half for Denver. And it felt like this game really, really emphasized uh, just where Denver can be when they're hitting their shots, when they hit a bunch of threes. I'll tell you what, let's take a break right now. When we come back, we'll talk about the second half. We'll get into more Davon Reed stuff, and um, and then we will really evaluate the rest of this game. We will be right back.
we're back. Pickaxe and Roll, Ryan Blackburn here. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you could, it would be awesome if you could rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. I know that uh, everybody involved with this podcast uh, would be would be really appreciative. Uh, most of all, the one the one who runs it, me. Um, okay, so Denver they score sixty four points in the first half. They score thirty nine points in the second half, and that's not great. It's very clear that Denver's in a in a really tough spot here, where they had a lot of shots go down. They they were in a pretty good position heading into the third quarter, and the starters were pretty mad when they came out of the break. Um, they they did enough, I think, just just to kind of hold their heads above water. It wasn't it wasn't awful, uh, but Will Barton did have some bad takes in in this stretch and. Uh, Monte Morris, though he picked it up, he wasn't perfect throughout this game. He, I think he started things one of seven, though he did finish four of seven and had five of 14 for 12, five and five, and just one turnover led the team at plus 11. That was pretty good. But there were some moments here where Denver really struggled. And I think one of those was where Barton started kind of getting a little bit loose with it, uh, started taking some, some aggressive shots from the three point line, um, but then Jokic also, he though he started off pretty well in this game, I thought that he missed several shots that he usually makes once again. And it's a little bit of a trend now that uh, kind of dating back with the with the Charlotte game that he shot 34 times and only made 13. Tonight, it was 9 of 24. This wasn't a very efficient night for him either. Now, tonight, he still, he went 7 of 7 from the free throw line and also had 8 assists, 2 steals, 2 blocks. So it wasn't his worst game of the world, to be to be clear, but I do think that uh, this is something where I'm a little bit worried about the shooting efficiency and the focus. Um, not necessarily that he can't do it, but that it's uh, it's coming to a situation right now where he's being asked to do so much, and it might just be a little bit overwhelming at times. Uh, and so I, I'm I'm hoping that he gets some assistance, gets a really hot stretch. From one of the starters, uh, maybe a bench player, cough, cough, Bones Highland, cough, cough, please. Uh, but he really needs somebody to step up. And even tonight, like uh, there, there was one player who we will get to at the bench that really did step up. But I think, hey, 9 of 24, 15 missed shots, that's kind of a, at least a yellow flag in my opinion, based off of his track record of being as efficient as possible for many of these shots, many of these attempts. He's doing a lot of uh, missing the shots, then trying to grab the offensive rebound and tipping it back up for a basket. And while he is one of the best uh, followers of his own miss in the NBA, it's not something he should be relied upon more than it has to be. Like Him getting the best possible first look is probably more ideal, in my opinion. But the bench came in, and unfortunately, they made things worse, not better, because Denver scored 15 points in probably the first five, uh, six and a half, seven minutes of the quarter. It wasn't anything to write home about, but they did have some production. So you get another 10 points in the next little stretch, and you're you're crystal. You're 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 perfectly fine heading into the fourth. But they didn't get that. They they very much did not get that from the minute that Faku stepped on the floor uh, to the minute he left, Denver scored zero points. 
Let me say that again. Faku stepped on the court. With about 5.30 left in the game, he was the first sub, which is the reason why I'm highlighting him specifically. Stepped on the court, and then when he stepped off the court about seven minutes of game time later, Denver still had scored 79 points. That's a really bad sign, and I don't think it's just Faku, I don't think it's just anybody, but I do think that Denver's overall shot selection when he was out there was really, really bad. And there, like, sometimes it's just Jokic and, like, he, he's trying to force up tough shots or, or shots that he normally makes on the interior but isn't making lately. And maybe that highlights it a little bit more. Uh, but even when he left the, when he left the floor and Denver had to work offense, they had to actually do stuff. Uh, the possessions without Jokic were as follows. From the two-minute mark in the third to 10.34 in the fourth. Four missed threes on four separate possessions. No offensive rebounds. By Bones, Bones again, Faku again, and Jermichael Green. Then Faku turns the ball over. Then Bones turns the ball over. Then Faku turns it over again on what was a really, really bad turnover. Will Barton misses an isolation three on a a step-back three attempt. Uh, Davon Reed misses a mid-range jumper. Uh, at that point, Malone had enough. He he did not let the lead slip anymore, and he put Jokic and Monte back in. Pretty sure the, the lead was, uh, was like 87-79 or something like that, 89-79. And so Denver had some work to do. They, they, they had some ground to clearly make up. And I let me let me go back to that Faku turnover because I He's had a couple of these possessions, and, and there was also a sidestep three on an isolation where he wanted to get up a, a quick and easy shot, got it up, and it didn't necessarily go over that well because it hit the backboard before it hit the before it hit the rim, or even thought about dropping close to the net. Uh, Faku has been going through a slump lately. He has not been playing well. There have been a couple moments mixed in, like the Charlotte first half, where he really got everybody amped up, got them all working the correct way. Maybe it's the Minnesota first half. I, I can't remember. But one of those, like, he does have these moments where the energy is really helping things, and he's really kind of making things work. But the fact is, is here are his plus minuses in each of the last 10 games. Minus 11, minus 2, minus 13, minus 2, minus 14, minus 4, plus 15 in the Atlanta Hawks game where he did play really well. Minus 6, minus 1, and then tonight where he's minus 6. So he has legitimately been a minus every single time. And and he's the low end of Denver's minus uh, on the plus minus scale pretty much every single game. And a lot of it is because he plays his minutes without Joker. And then there's a lot of stuff that goes into it rather than me just listing off the the plus minuses every time. But the facts are the facts and that the Nuggets are not playing well while Faku is out there. They're still winning some of those games. Like they were five and five in that stretch that I just mentioned. But it's still it's still problematic. It's still I'm still a little bit worried because let me just do the math here while I while I have the game logs pulled up. He has been a plus 
in four games this year. He's had a plus minus of like plus 18 in a game. That was a blowout against Portland, plus 15 against Atlanta, plus nine against New York, and then plus six against the San Antonio Spurs in at that six point victory. So every other game, like he, he had one game where he barely played and that was a neutral game, but every other game he was a minus. That's like 26 games. Like that's that's a lot of data. That is a lot of time where he he just hasn't really he's either had to fight through some bad stuff with the Nuggets bench to make an impact or he's not making the impact and he potentially is one of the reasons for that. So I'm going to have to highlight some of this more in the in an actual article so I can articulate my thoughts a little bit better here, but I know it when I see it and He's just not playing well. And some of the things that he does on the offensive end are not helpful. And it really is putting the Nuggets at a disadvantage a lot of the time. So, Jokic and Monte come back in at the 1034 mark, and they are joined. Austin Rivers and Will Barton are already out there. Uh, and then Davon Reed is also the guy that goes out there. And, and he closes the game. There was a brief stretch where Jeff Green came into inbound a ball. But other than that, Davon Reed was on the floor for the entire stretch, and he played 26 minutes tonight. It was fantastic. Uh, 15 points, six of eight from the field, three of four from three. Did miss a did miss a free throw on an, on an and one attempt, but uh, two rebounds, one assist, one steal, one block was a plus eight in a three point victory in a situation where two of the other bench guys that he was playing with were minuses. So the stretch that he was out there with the starters was a really, really big deal. He was out there for, for a good portion of that time. Denver starters, they needed to kind of find a rhythm on both ends of the floor, and they found it. They scored 24 points in the final 10-34, and they allowed um, – actually, let me do the – let me do the math here first on the game log. They, they allowed 17 total, but by the time the starters got back out there – uh, they only allowed 14 points in the final 1034. That's pretty good. That's mo- mostly like if you outscore the teams 24 to 14 in a 10 minute stretch, you're doing really well, especially on the defensive end. So pretty proud of of the the starters and Davon Reed for putting that together. And here's kind of how they did it. It was they they force fed Jokic a lot of those touches. They made sure that he touched the ball in pretty much every single possession, almost every single time. And that's that's what you really need. Uh, he got the ball in the post, got the ball up top, would force doubles. Sometimes he would shoot, but sometimes, like, and most of the time, he was actually just forcing the doubles so that the ball could get in rotation. And uh, Austin Rivers hit a three. Will Barton got an and one doing this. Uh, Davon Reed uh, hit a pull-up 20-footer when the team was too focused on Jokic to really close out hard. Like, they closed out hard on him, but it was too late. He really uh, had a good move that he was confidently taking a 20-footer. That's a big deal for a 10-day guy. That's really, really impressive. Will Barton hits a mid-range jumper. Nikola Jokic hits a three, one of his only of late. Uh, goes one of three tonight from three, but uh, a very, very important basket for them that gave them a 96-94 lead with about 350 to play. 
but it really was the defense that that locked in where Jokic was locked down on the interior, the guards around him, defending the three-point line, switching, doing everything they could to stop the penetration. But when it happened, they were rotating really well. And you don't hold teams to 14 points uh, in that 10-minute 34 stretch unless you're doing something right, unless you're doing something impressive. And I thought that with with Jokic grabbing all the rebounds that he did and Denver doing everything that they could to keep the Clippers out of the paint, it was a pretty impressive fourth quarter performance from these Nuggets. Will Barton also hit another clutch layup down the stretch. This was a possession where had he missed the bucket, Nuggets fans probably would have been pretty upset with him, where initially trying to get the ball to Jokic on a switch. But uh, Will Barton spins out of it, does a good job of getting to the basket, and hits a tough finish. He's capable of doing that, and the fact that he's able to do it, it gives Jokic a break in some of these cases when he does. Uh, And usually when he does do that, that will give them at least a reason um, to be able to go away from him at times. Because he can't always be like... Superman every single time else is going to wear down. But I thought the play of the game, even beyond that Will Barton layup, which was which was very, very important, Jokic double teamed on the right block, kind of in the mid post area. Uh, the, the defender comes from the weak side. So it's not along the baseline. It's not on uh, it's not on the strong side. It is on Monte Morris's man, I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure it's Terrence Mann. And he comes across to double team. And Jokic threw a very convoluted double team where it's it's hard to pass out of that at all. Uh, he finds the passing window, gets the ball across the court to Monte Morris, who then rotates it to the corner for Austin Rivers, who hits a clutch three. Just a very, very, very important clutch three for Austin Rivers, who hits four threes tonight. 12 points, four of eight from the field, four of six from three. Four assists, three rebounds, one turnover. Very good stuff from Austin Rivers. And after that, that the game was 101-95 with about 150 left. And there, there were things that happened. Uh, like Denver had a couple good defensive plays. Uh, they got the ball back. Monte Morris did turn the ball over. Will Barton did miss a three. Um but everything after that was just window dressing until Luke Kennard hit a clutch three with about 15, 17 seconds left or so. And then Denver had to make a couple free throws, and, and Nikola Jokic did. And then final possession, Davon Reed back on the floor after Jeff Green checks in for him for an inbound pass. Uh, Davon Reed defends Brandon Boston, who isolates at the top for... 12 seconds before forcing up a really tough three-pointer to tie. A very interesting choice. It wasn't really, like, it definitely definitely wasn't the possession that Ty Lu and the Clippers had in mind, but that's what they got. And uh, if, if you have a, a rookie second-round pick trying to isolate against Davon Reed, who is a 10-day contract guy, I think that's pretty funny based off of where this where this these two teams are with Kawhi and PG out on one side, Murray and Porter out on the other side and so many other guys that that would have 
played a part. Reggie Jackson, Marcus Morris uh, on Denver's side. You had Aaron Gordon, who might have been that defender for for many of those players. So pretty emblematic of where the league is at right now that those were the two guys that it really came down to. But Davon Reed forces a tough shot, an awful one-on-one attempt, and Denver comes out victorious. They figure it out. I can sit here and say that there's a lot of things that Denver needs to work on, that Faku needs to, to figure some things out with the shot selection, that Bones Highland had another really bad game where just really inefficient, taking some really tough shots. Like he took a 30-footer today uh, and, and a couple times where he took a couple deep threes that hit the backboard before they hit the rim. And I, I've talked about Faku doing that. Let me talk about Bones doing that now. Uh, that's bad. That's really, really bad, and you should not be doing that. And anybody that says that they'd rather have Bones in there over Will Barton right now or Monte Morris right now is crazy because there are some like major inefficiencies that are going to come with some of the shot selection stuff that people are, are kind of blind to because he's a rookie. But having a guy like Davon Reed be able to step up in this moment was a really, really big deal, and we're going to talk about him in this sec in this next segment when we come back all right final segment pickaxe and roll thank you so much for tuning in let us talk about Davon Reed who Let's be clear. He was a second-round pick in 2017. Was a, a solid player who kind of caught up in a a really tough position on the Phoenix Suns, who they they needed the help immediately. But he came into a situation where they drafted Josh Jackson. They had already drafted Marquise Chris, Dragon Bender, Tyler Eulis, uh Devin Booker a couple seasons before that. Uh, they were so young. And wanting to win so quickly that it's possible that a guy like Davon Reed really slipped through the cracks where he didn't get the full chance, the full opportunity to really show off what he could do at the NBA level. But I thought that he was pretty good. And just having seen him over the course of this season uh, from Summer League, from uh, preseason and into the G League this year, he's just really, really impressed me. And it's crazy that he wouldn't even be really having this opportunity had not not necessarily COVID, but having these hardship exceptions and 10-day contracts and some of the rules that the NBA has now allotted for them. Uh, this has allowed Davon Reed a really interesting opportunity with Denver, where Denver, they have 17 guys on their roster already. They have two two-way contract guys. Marcus Howard, who's injured right now, but played a, at least a small role uh, for the beginning of the season. And they also have Peter Corner-Lee, who hasn't really played a role at all. Uh, it is a really interesting opportunity for a player like Davon Reed, who was out of the league. Like 2018-19, he played 10 games for the Indiana Pacers. Was out of the league at that point. Hasn't been back in it until... This year, until Denver. And what he's been able to do 
what he's been able to accomplish, kind of establishing his role this season with Denver, I think is just so important for a team like the Nuggets and for Dave on himself. He's just been very, very impressive. Kind of reminds me, like a lot of people have compared him to Torrey Craig. He's not really like that because I think his skill set is just a, a lot better. It's a lot better offensively. He's not uh, giving up the ball every single possession. He's not uh, letting others kind of do everything for him. He's creating some of these shots himself and has been very efficient in those looks. It's been really, really interesting to see. I would categorize him as a better shooting, less playmaking version of P.J. Dozier, where both of those guys, they have a good defensive awareness they have good on-ball skills, maybe Davon a little bit more so than PJ, but PJ's a better team defender. So you kind of get the, the funhouse version of what you were getting from PJ Dozier or what you really wanted to get from him. So both of those guys are around the same size. Davon Reed's 6'5", PJ Dozier 6'6", but Davon's a little bit thicker. Uh, and honestly, it's one of the reasons why wings are so, so important in today's NBA, where you have a guy like Davon and you can place him on any of the perimeter players that are giving you trouble. And for Denver, a lot of tonight, it was Eric Bledsoe. They didn't want Monte Morris having to deal with him. They didn't want Will Barton having to deal with him. So they put Davon Reed on, Aust- on, uh, on Eric Bledsoe. And then on the last possession of the game, they had him switching on to Brandon Boston Jr. And he did exactly what he needed to do there. Uh, But his versatility, his size, his athleticism, and his mindset are what really separate him on that end from a lot of the guys that they've been in this position so consistently, Denver, uh, with with, uh, Morris and Barton and Rivers and uh, Faku and Bones even, that sometimes you got to save some of that energy. Uh, Davon doesn't have that luxury. He has to make an impression, and it's pretty clear that he has. It's pretty clear that... Every nugget is very, very pro Davon Reed. They want to see him get that opportunity. They want to see him succeed. And for a team like Denver, where they haven't had enough of their roster with them, his size, his versatility, his shooting, it's given them an opportunity to kind of right a wrong that I think they had with their offseason plan, where they had so many small guys. They drafted Bones Highland. They, they brought back... Austin Rivers, they didn't really go after a true wing, somebody that I thought they would need, uh, hypothetically, if Michael Porter went down. And and true to form, Michael Porter went down. He got injured. And then P.J. Dosha got injured. And those things are, like, unforeseeable. And and it's tough in those situations where you're, you're looking for the right players to put around your current group. And sometimes... You have a blind spot for when you have certain players that you pencil in there. You don't factor in whether they miss time. That's why Denver was so screwed when Jokic went down. When he got hurt, they didn't have anybody to really replace him, let alone emulate him in any way. I think that with Davon Reed, they've found themselves a version of P.J. Dozier that can help them for the rest of the year. He's a switch-everything defender a good enough shooter, and a good enough offensive player that he just can't be left entirely alone. He plays with a certain confidence, a certain shooting confidence that I I think is kind of rare 
when it comes to a lot of G League call-ups, a lot of players that are trying to get into the league but not necessarily stepping on people's toes. He's kind of that mold of player that you would expect to just seed all of the touches to, but he, he hasn't done that. He hasn't tried to do that. When he's been in situations where he needs to shoot, he lets it fly. Does a fantastic job. So I think he has to be here for the rest of the year. I think he has to bridge the gap on Denver's second unit that P.J. Dozier did last year. He was playing a little shooting guard when, when you go big, playing a little power forward when you go small, but mostly playing small forward where you need somebody who's kind of a a, a smaller forward. to be, and that, I know that sounds weird, but like, for example, Zeke Naji. Zeke Naji didn't play today. Zeke Naji was cut from the rotation and, and wasn't uh, like Vlako Chancha was in there. They Denver decided that they wanted somebody with a little bit more defensive mentality, a little bit more switchability, because Zeke Naji hasn't really performed to that level just yet. And I think it was the right move by Malone. I think you have to understand that your roster needs to match up with the, the team across from you in the best way that they can. And especially when Denver's roster is as injured as it is, you can't be beholden to previous thoughts on who should play and who shouldn't. It's about who's actually helping you win. And Davon does just that for Denver, where he's big enough to match up with bigger players, small enough and quick enough to match up with the guards, and switches and does everything pretty reasonably well. So I hope that they give him a guaranteed contract. I hope that they give him an opportunity to uh, to sign in Denver for multiple years. And it's tough because Denver, they don't have an open roster spot right now. And the way that they would have to do this, uh, Denver gave Davon Reed an, an Exhibit 10 contract initially. Basically, they cut him from their training camp roster, gave him an Exhibit 10 contract. And what that did was that basically tied him to Denver's G League team for 60 days, where he gets a $50,000 signing bonus for staying with Denver's G League team. After that, the G League says that any other team after that 60-day window can can pick him up. They can pick him up, give him a contract, give him a 10-day, give him a two-way, give him a full-time contract, whatever you want. And... Denver can't let that happen. I'm at that stage right now where the back end of Denver's roster is so unhelpful for what they're trying to do between uh, Vlako Chanchar, Zeke Naji, Bol Bol, Peter Cornelly, Marcus Howard, uh, guys like that. Denver doesn't have enough players that are kind of wing-sized that can help step into the void that's been left by Michael Porter, P.J. Dozier, and even Jamal Murray when he plays the two or the three. Denver has needed that when Will Barton hasn't played well. They've needed that when uh, Jeff Green hasn't played well or, or he hasn't played often, and he's 35. Like, you need some other options. And Denver found that when they went to a Monte, Austin Rivers, Davon Reed, Will Barton, and Nikola Jokic lineup. Sometimes you need to get a little crazy. Sometimes you need to find players that just can play and figure out the rest after that. 
So I hope, and, and this would this would be my hope for Denver, that they cut Bull Bull and they give Davon Reed a contract for the rest of the year, along with a non-guarantee for the following season. And that could be about a I'm pretty sure it could be about a one point or a one million dollars for the rest of this season and then 1.3, 1.4 for the following year. It makes a lot of sense. It makes a lot, a lot of sense for Denver to at least explore that because I know it would put them over the luxury tax. I know it would put them in a tough situation. But if you want any chance of surviving between now and when Jamal Murray eventually comes back, then you're going to need players like Davon Reed. You're going to need guys like him who can step in, fill a bunch of different roles, and make things a little bit easier for Nikola Jokic, a little bit easier for Will Barton, for Monte Morris, for Aaron Gordon. Davon Reed can do that, and he's absolutely shown that to this point. And I hope he gets an opportunity for the rest of the season to show that. I hope that Denver does not let another team pick up what is a good player. They've done this with Kenrich Williams before. They decided that they wanted Bull Bull on their roster, on their two-way contract, instead of Kenrich Williams. And that was a really bad choice at the time. And Kenrich Williams has turned into a player on the OKC Thunder now, who would be incredibly helpful for a team like Denver. It's one of those marginal things that you need to get right in order to go from a a good team to a great team. Or to help your, your tough moments become bearable in this case. I think that Davon could really help them, and I hope that he gets that opportunity. That is going to do it for this episode of Pickaxe and Roll. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. I haven't decided what the upcoming schedule is going to look like, but Denver does play on Tuesday night against Golden State. Uh, Like I said earlier in this podcast, Draymond Green is in health and safety protocols. That doesn't mean that the, the, the Golden State Warriors are going to lay down and die, though, because they do have another MVP candidate out there in Steph Curry, as well as a fully stacked roster that is capable of just kicking Denver's butt if they aren't connected, if they aren't playing well together. We will see what happens. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. Really appreciate all the love and support. We'll talk to you guys very soon.